I don't even remember, Bill, when I made this tape recording. It was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, this I know. It was recorded at the home group of Alcoholics Anonymous in Fort Wayne. I would guess about 1958 or 59. I can't even remember the speaker. All I know is that his name is Ernie. He came from some town over in Ohio, a small town, to talk at this Saturday night meeting in Fort Wayne. And uh, it was indicated by our chairman that he was one of the first 100 members of AA. I could perhaps find out sometime, because the chairman is a good friend of mine, John W. of Fort Wayne, who himself has been sober approximately 22 years. So, uh, turn back on this side. I think I'll use all four tracks this time on a gamble bill and see if they do come out. If so, I can get quite a few talks on this particular reel. So, go back to the beginning uh, on this side, and we'll switch over to track three, and I'll put Ernie on. It's a rather short talk. But again, you wanted some of the old-timers, and here's another one of the first 100 that I would be pretty sure you do not have a recording of one of his talks. Here we go. comes from Ohio, which was the more or less the birthplace of Alcoholics Anonymous, where Bill and Bob got together and started this movement that has been such a godsend to so many of us. And it's my understanding that he was one of the first 100 to come to Alcoholics Anonymous to solve his problem and has been successful in Alcoholics Anonymous every since. Without further ado, I'll give you Ernie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and good evening, friends. You wouldn't need this uh, speaker to hear me speak because I talk pretty loud. I get wound up once in a while. But it's really a pleasure to be a part and a privilege to be a part of a fellowship such as AA where one can come and share his experiences, both good and bad, and be understood by people who are also trying to solve their problems. I am powerless over alcohol, and my life has become unmanageable. I am a part of AA, one among many, but I'm one. How much I drank is not too important, but I am grateful tonight that I had a desire to do something about my drinking problem when it became a problem. I started to drink when I was 26 years old. 
I drank for 12 years. I made myself what I am or what I was. Alcohol is pretty sneaky, and it snuck up on me. At the end of that 12 years of drinking, I had a problem. I don't think that I, drinking was a problem the full 12 years, but little did I know that my thinking would change, my sense of values would change to the place where I associated all my social activities with a bottle of booze. A person who didn't drink was a pious individual and didn't know what the score was. Having had a little different background than that, why, it was quite different from the time that I took my first drink. And probably that was good for me because I was very intolerant of individuals that did drink up to that age of 26. I didn't care to associate with people that drank, and I didn't. But when I took my first drink, I got a real glow. It did something to me. It lifted me up on cloud nine or seven or whatever you want to call it, and I became a very happy, relaxed individual. I never drank to get drunk. I drank just to get up on this plane of feeling good and to forget my troubles. But towards the last of my drinking, I became, it became a problem because I didn't know whether I was going to take one drink or 25. And usually I took the 25 at the most inopportune times. And I think that is one of the things that woke me up. However, I have to give credit to the good wife who, through her prayers and through her efforts and kindness and consideration, by sticking with me in the last six months to a year of my drinking, was real kind to me, and I became ashamed of myself, and I loved my family, and I wanted my family, and I had to make a decision. And I'm glad that the good Lord created within me a desire to do something about the problem. Having made that decision, I went to Akron and found, I went to the hospital, I found a good doctor over there, and I didn't know there was such a thing as an alcoholic. I thought people that drank too much were plain common drunks. I didn't like the word alcoholic. Called on the doctor hoping on this trip that he would say it was going to cost me a couple hundred dollars or I'd find somebody that was a little bit wacky or somebody that was a religious fanatic. And I made the, de uh, the decision with my wife that if anybody come up with anything like that, why well, I was going to quit. I was just going to walk out of the picture. But I found neither. I found that there was a man that drank heavy who found an answer. He wanted nothing for his services. He just wanted to share his experiences with me. And if I had a desire to find a way to quit drinking, he was willing to cooperate with me. And he put me in the hospital. And I'm going to make this short because I don't talk for too long and I won't go into all the details. 
But I went into the hospital and was there a few hours, and some individuals come up and called on me, and I went in sober when I went into the hospital, by the way. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't. I was nervous, but not uh, sick. Didn't need any medication. Didn't take any medication. Didn't need anything. I wouldn't even take a drink. Because I definitely went in there to find out how to stay away from a drink. And these individuals, complete strangers, come up and shared their experiences with me and told me how they drank, and I couldn't hardly believe that anybody could drink like that and do the things that they did and have the positions in life that they had and have the problems that they had and still be alive. That night, about midnight, the good doctor came in and wanted to know uh, if anybody had been to see me, and I said yes, and I told him that I didn't think that this thing was for me, that I hadn't drank like that. And he looked at me and he says, well, of course, nobody drinks as bad as, uh, as much as uh, what somebody else does, and he says, uh, naturally, uh, uh, you uh, don't, just don't think you drink that much. No, I said I hadn't been in jail and I hadn't been arrested and I hadn't had any blackouts. I still had my family. I still had my business, and which was broke. And I was broke spiritually. There's no question about it. And financially. And he said, well, Ernie, uh, you only drank 12 years. I drank 35 and he said it was the last 10 years that ruined me. And he said, what assurance do you have that you're not going to get that bad? And ask yourself what you're doing here. And he handed me the big book and he said, I don't want any more whiskey and your answers are in the big book. You dig them out. I don't care if you do or if you don't. That's up to you. And walked out of the room and left me stay there. That was good for me because then I think I took a good personal inventory of myself. What was I doing in the hospital? What was I doing here in 12 short years looking for a way out? What assurance did I have that I wasn't going to get worse? No assurance. And I started to read the book, and I read all night that night. I read the next day, and I come to the conclusion that I was an alcoholic and my life had become unmanageable. Here I was looking for a way out. And I made that decision that I'm going to go along and say that. I'm going to recognize and ask myself, what did alcohol do for me? Well, it made me an envious individual. Made me an in. I lost my tolerance. I was certainly confused. I certainly became a selfish individual. And my life was certainly out of balance. And certainly my sense of values had changed completely from what they were 12 years previous. Now, I could go along here and tell you a lot of things that happened uh, while I was drinking, but that is necessary. That's what it did to me. 
And there come a time in my life that I have to do something about this. I have to change. I didn't want to be a bum. And so I was willing to accept the first step in our program. Accepting the fact that the science has said that it's an allergy of the body and it becomes an obsession of the mind, period. That's as far as they can go with it outside of a lot of theory. And I never did try to theorize what it was all about. I know I had the problem. Now the important thing is for me to do something about it. So what am I going to do to stay away from the first drink? And that's AA as far as I'm concerned. AA has taught me how to stay away from the first drink. They asked me to believe in a power greater than myself. And believing in a power greater than myself was no problem for me. Because I always believed in God. I was taught that. And I have in my experience in AA to find someone yet that don't believe in a power greater than myself, their selves. And I accepted the first step in this program, and I certainly, if I accepted the first step in this program, I accepted a power greater than myself because I was powerless over alcohol. That is for sure. And certainly, common sense would tell us that there is a power greater than alcohol. So it wasn't any problem with me. But when it came to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, to be, as I understood him, that was something else again. I believe that the word understanding is one of the most, uh, best words put in that step. Because I believe that everybody has a degree of understanding. I had a degree of understanding. How much, I don't know. But all he asked me to do was turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. So it was a starting place. But I asked the doctor how to do that. And it was really nice how he put it to me. He said, we need a daily program. He said, you believe in God. So why don't you get up tomorrow morning and ask God to keep you sober and help him, ask him to help you live a little better life. And mean it. I said, well, that's pretty simple. He said, well, we got an upper room here, and that's a guide to go by, and, and uh, you read that every morning and apply it to yourself. And he said, you'll get a good thought for today, and you'll get along all right. Well, we've had that in our home long before I heard of AA. Had a little booklet up her room. Then he said, the second thing I want you to do is to be willing to help another individual that's afflicted with the same illness that you're afflicted is with when the opportunity presents itself. Well, living in a town of 1,200 people, I couldn't go back and say I got a hold of something, so... I just went back and lived it the way I knew how to live it, and, and uh, at the end of four months, somebody asked me what was happening to me. I had quit lots of times. I swore off a liquor after every drunk. Then he also told me to come to a meeting once a week, to share in the experiences with others, come over to the meeting and talk to people who are trying to do the same thing you're trying to do who you can ask questions and be understood and not be laughed at. 
You can talk about your problems and be understood. There'll be somebody there that can help you with it, that's experienced the same thing. Well, where else could I go but to a place like this, among my friends? And so I did those things, and he said to the extent that you do these things, to that extent you will be turning your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand it. Start giving and you'll receive something. And I did. I went back home and with a determination in my heart I was going to follow those suggestions to the best of my ability, so help me. And I did, and at the end of six months I was sober. And I woke up one morning and at the end of six months and I thought I had some accomplishment. Because that's the longest period of sobriety I had in that 12 years from the time I took my first drink. And something happened to me. I was elated, and I thanked God that morning that I didn't need a drink anymore. Rather than that first six months of sobriety, I was wondering whether I could drink sometime, maybe, or sneak away and nobody would find it out. But I didn't know for sure if I wanted to quit drinking the rest of my life or not. But this particular morning I woke up and was grateful and thanked God that I didn't need a drink anymore. And I became, it, this program became very easy from that moment on. Because I haven't got all the answers. I'm striving for more and more all the time. That's why I'm here. That's why I found a lot of answers in AA, and I'm going to find a lot of more in AA through the AA fellowship and activities, and that's why I'm sticking. I don't want to go anywhere to look for them, because I can't find people and friends like sitting in this room tonight. I have made it a policy to take the things that I have and use them in the spirit of love towards my fellow man. And I found out that if I give of myself, we talk, we hear it so much that I can't get the spiritual part of the program. I don't understand the spiritual part of the program. If I could just understand that, I can't get it. Personally, I don't know just exactly what we're trying to get when we talk about that. Every day is a new day, a new spiritual experiences, experience in accordance with the way we live it. And we're not going to get anything unless we give away what we already know or what we already have. Not for any bouquets, but for the joy of serving. And I have found that to be a truth. And nobody could ever shake me from that belief. And I have a desire to learn more. And I know that I read philosophy and I read this and I read that and I don't understand it all. I'm reading in the big book right now. I started through it again for I don't know how many times because there is so many things 
in that book that I have missed. There's so many things between the lines. There's so many things that take on a little different meaning than they did when I first got into AA. The proof of that is that it is a spiritual book. It is founded on the Sermon on the Mount in the book of James, put into a drinking man's language, a man, uh, something that we can use every day. It's not, nothing new. It's just put in understandable language for us guys that had a common problem. And I think that's what may, makes AA work is because you and I can share our experiences with each other and be understood without condemning one or the other for having made a few mistakes. And I think sometimes maybe we make the biggest mistake of our life is when we look back. I know the hardest thing for me to do was to come up over self-pity, to look back and count and see the mistakes that I made and said, oh, if I wouldn't have did this, I'd be so-and-so and so-and-so. Knowing full well I couldn't turn back the pages, and the only thing that I could do was to be live a good life today. And I know that tomorrow will be a good day if I live a decent life today. That is as true as the hills and is a good book. And rather than condemn ourselves for having made mistakes of the past, we should press on to greater achievements and start counting the many little blessings while I'm lucky to be alive. I have fine health. I never was sick a day in my life except from hangovers. And yet I should grumble because I'm not making 20000 a year or 10000 a year. Or I should grumble because I made some poor investments or something like that. Lost my shirt from drinking too much. Lost a store. I lost some money. And I get to wondering sometimes why those things crop up. I don't want to remember those things any more than I want to remember some of the things that I did when I was drinking. I don't care to remember those. But I want to remember to be of service to mankind and to thank God each day for the privilege of being associated with a fellowship such as Alcoholics Anonymous. And I want to remember also that the key to continued sobriety is the 11th step in our program in which we continue to seek through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for the knowledge of his will and the power to carry it out. I like that. I think that is the greatest prayer if it's prayed sincerely that there is. Just continue to seek for prayer and meditation. Pray only for the knowledge of his will and the power to carry it out. If we do that sincerely and honestly, we'll be here. We'll be around here a long time because that is a truth. And as we go along sharing our experiences, using the 12 steps as a guide to live by, few experiences can equal the ecstasy that comes into being when the 11th step 
is thoroughly understood. It opens the door to our realization of our oneness with God. You know, we can't change the spiritual laws. They're here. We can only change ourselves to live in accordance with them. And to the method of which we pray and seek and serve mankind, to that method we will follow these spiritual laws. And the greatest spiritual law is serving mankind and making a better place to live. We then will find our relationship with our Maker. And I think that that's what my job here is on earth, is to find my relationship with God. And I have had the fine association with AA that I know that I am a better man today than I was 23 years ago when I got into AA. It's often said that I want to remember my drinking. I want to remember my past experiences. I can't forget those any more than I can forget the ABCs. I can't forget the mistakes of the past, but certainly I don't want to remind myself of them every day. I would rather be a little bit more positive with my prayer and meditation in the morning. I would rather do that for the joy of doing it. And I'd rather come over here and meet with you people for the joy of being here than to think that I had to do that stuff because if I don't, I might get drunk. Because I know that if I do these things, I'm going to find a spiritual understanding. And I'm not concerned about the drinking because this is what kept me here. I want to remember the things. I want to remember to have the faith in God to know that that's where my help comes from. I don't want to ever want to forget that. And I want to remember to serve mankind in the spirit of love and service, not for any bouquets, but for the inner joy that one receives in helping another person. And I want to remember what my real purpose on earth is for. And I want to remember also to count and be grateful to count my many blessings each day, particularly when I get to grumbling about my shortcomings. I don't believe that there is anybody can get rid of worrying by worrying how to get rid of worry or anger. But I believe that we can get rid of those things by putting something positive in its place. Every person has shortcomings. But we'll never get rid of our shortcomings by worrying about how to get rid of our shortcomings. Each individual also has a good qualifications. And let's cultivate those good qualifications and then we won't have to worry about our shortcomings. We'll get better with the good qualities that we all have within ourselves. God give us that light and love within us all. And I want to remember that good belongs to everybody. To claim, to feel, and most of all to use. Because that creates harmony 
and it creates sincerity, and eventually it creates a balanced life, a life of balance in which we can then stay in accordance with the, with the spiritual laws. And I want to remember the great challenge that's in the big book. And that challenge is, as I quote, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find. And we shall meet on a road to a happy destiny. Thank you.